Welcome to the Wealth Equation Podcast with me, Wealth Ninja, Kristen Watch. If you want to be wealthy, but money feels like physics and the thought of making a budget makes you want to die, stick around. Here, we break it all down super simply. We demystify wealth so you run your money instead of your money running you. We're here to ditch the hustle, earn more, hold more, and grow more simply. We're coming in hot with practical teachings, deep mindset shifts, and the perfect amount of woo-woo so that you become the kind of woman who creates wealth with ease. Money is a dance party if you let it be. You were born for wealth, and by pressing play, your up-level begins. Hello, 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 beautiful women. I have a very juicy episode for you today. And one of the reasons I'm so excited about this, so it's all around getting started with investing. And I'm very pumped about this because investing is one of those spaces when it comes to money and wealth that can feel very complex. The industry makes it confusing. We often aren't taught this when we're younger. And for many women, for many people, it can feel like a space that we just can't figure out. So I want you to get started with this if you haven't already started so far. But I haven't asked before we get into the episode, and that is that you share this episode with your friends. Now, I would love for you to share all the episodes, like whatever resonates for you, share, 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 like absolutely. This one in particular, I want to open up this conversation with more women. I want women like you to know that other women are doing this, that other women are learning about this, that other women are getting excited about this it's critical to create financial freedom, right? We can't just focus on making money. We actually have to begin becoming investors in order to create wealth. And that's what I want for all of us. So I want us to do this together. I want you to bring your girlfriends along for the ride. I want you to start opening up these conversations. I want you to be a leader in this space. Even if this is the first time you're dipping your toe in, So share this with your friends and let's dive right in. The first episode, which is today's, is going to be around investing and the second episode also on investing, but for two different types of people. So there are usually two types of women that are listening to this. When it comes to investing, either you've never invested before at all and it feels like a big black box and you're like, I don't even know where to begin Or you have some investments going and growing. You probably have some retirement accounts started. You got some things ticking along. You're probably dabbling and or you don't even really know what you've invested in. So you got some things. Some of you guys don't even know how much is in there. And so today's episode is for that newbie beginner, that person who has never done it before that really wants a place to get started. Both people will benefit from this episode because I'm going to break a bunch of things down for you really clearly. But there are those two distinctions are really important. By the end of this episode, I want you to have an understanding of investing and knowing where to begin. And I'm not going to put you to sleep. Don't worry. We're going to use some fun analogies. It's going to appear and be, and you're going to understand it in a very simple way. There's a lot of jargon when it comes to investing and it doesn't really need to be so complicated. I'm going to go through what investing is, why you'd even want to do it, the three options for you to get started and the pros and cons of each one, you know, what to look out for. And I'm going to break down some jargon for you. So before we get into the investing, you know, how to break it down, I want to take it back to the very basics. Like 
what investing is and why would you even do it? And it sounds maybe like a simple thing, but it's not 100% obvious. So investing is really the process of buying something that you expect to be worth more in the future than it is today. The things that you buy, like investments, are also called assets. That's you know just another term for the exact same thing. And the reason that we would do it is because we want things that we own to be worth more in the future than they are today, because that's what gets us out of trading hours for dollars, right? We don't have to do more things to have more money. So it's really important to understand what an investment is and what it isn't. So when you think about like the things that the bank might consider an asset, like a car or a TV actually isn't. Because those things don't grow in value over time. So while the bank maybe checks a box for them on paper with some of those things, you really want to be considering where where are the places you can put your money, the things that you can be buying that are going to grow for you. This is critical. It's This is the reason we don't just save our money and hoard a whole bunch of cash because that cash just sitting in under the mattress or sitting in the bank in a savings account won't be worth more in the future. So that means if, if we do that, we have to work more hours. We have to work harder even into retirement in order to be able to retire with the amount that we want. One piece of jargon I wanted to find for you or concept that I want to create for you is the concept of compound interest. The reason it's important, a compound interest is just interest on interest. So when your money sits in an investment and grows, so say you have $1,000 and you it grows at 10% in that first year, after that first year, you have $1,100, right? That 100 you grew, that was interest. Well, the years that follow, it's not just that $1,000 that's accumulating interest, but all the interest that's also accumulating. So that $100 and then years into the future. And so what it means is if thinking about, I'd like to use this example of an apple orchard. If you think about an apple orchard, the first time, if you were to plant a single apple tree, it would take a long time to grow. You water it, it grows some apples, right? And then imagine those apples falling to the ground and you don't really have to do anything, but you're watering anyway. And those apples are growing their own apple trees. And then those apples fall to the ground and they grow trees. And 10 or 20 years later, most of the orchard is actually created from those apples that you didn't even plant. They were created by the apples growing apple trees, growing apple trees, right? So that's why if you think about the difference between how your little orchard would look in the first year with you know just one tree that doesn't look like it's very much is happening, 10 years later, there's actually a lot going on because that engine, the engine of compound interest. So people always ask me, how do you get compound interest or what investments have compound interest? Well, anything that grows does, right? I could, I could have easily used pears in that tree or bananas, right? If the, as long as the fruits are falling to the ground and growing more things themselves, that's when you get compound interest. Anytime you have interest on anything, even your savings account is growing very slowly, that compound interest. Now, there's a really important reason to not wait to start investing. And that's because if you think about in our orchard example, in the last 10 years, say you're going to grow your orchard for 30 years. 
in the last 10 years of that growth, you have hundreds of trees making hundreds of more trees. And so if you were to wait to get started for just even five years, it means that your entire orchard doesn't have that expanded growth in the long run, right? You're cutting, you're not just cutting off the early years, you're actually cutting off those later years. Remember? So if you have hundreds of trees growing apples, you're cutting off those later years from doing all the heavy lifting for you. So waiting even five years would lose you probably hundreds of thousands of dollars. Depends on what you're investing, but at a minimum. Thinking, think about it like a hockey stick. <laughs> like you, the, you know, the hockey stick charts, the graphs, it's like it's exponential in the in the later years. And so those are the years that you're missing when you wait. So types of investments that you can invest in, there's lots of different things. You can invest in, well, you can invest in hockey sticks, <laughs> like vintage hockey sticks, right? You can invest in art. You can invest in stocks. Stocks are just pieces, small fractions of companies. So you think about Google, you can own one tiny portion of Google as an individual. You can own bonds, you can own gold or silver, cryptocurrency, houses. I'm not going to get into all the details, but just to give you an idea of like what types of things you can put your money into expecting it to grow. Now, all of these things will differ in your expected returns, you know, how much every individual thinks those things are going to grow, how risky they might be, right? We, we all know cryptocurrency is a great example of an, a class of investments that is has a lot of risk associated with it. Also a lot of opportunity, right? Their value on any given day is going to be different, how and where you might buy them. So there's no good and bad, well, there's not one particular type of investment that's just great for everybody necessarily, right? It's really a reflection of what is what is aligned to your values and what is going to get you to where you want to be. And what types of things do you think are going to grow into the future? So imagine going into a grocery store. Here's our second analogy. Imagine going into a grocery store. Now, there are thousands of things that you can buy in that grocery store to eat, right? There's fruits, there's vegetables, there's box cereal, there's meat, you've got salmon, tuna, steak, there's dairy, there's cheeses, like thousands of things, literally, right? So in the same way that there's not one perfect food for somebody to buy, somebody that's a vegan is going to desire and, and really align to something very different than someone that's on the carnivore diet right? And so investments are the same. People across the board will differ how in, you know, how much they have to invest, how much risk they're willing to take on when they want the money out and their values, right? Some people they're really, it's important for them to invest in ethical, you know, ethical companies or ethical investments. So that's, those are the things to consider when you're thinking about investments. And of all the investments that, you know, I've talked about and sort of rattled off there, I'm going to talk to you about one specific type of investment that I'm going to take through this example of a place to get started. And remember in all of this, guys, I am not a financial advisor. I don't give you financial advice. I in no way, shape or form tell you what is a good thing to invest in. I'm not recommending any of these things. My goal here is to teach you how to think about things and to give you an understanding of how the space works and to, to present for you options 
of things that you can be looking at for yourself. So you always want to do your own research and really take an approach of like being very curious, right? That's how you're going to get mastery of this space. So one type of investment is called an exchange traded fund, also known as an ETF. This is, you know, it's an example that I like to use because it's a basket of things. An exchange traded fund is just a basically a basket of a whole bunch of investments. So back to our grocery store example, imagine a fruit basket, right? So instead of just buying a banana, you buy a basket of fruit and it might have 20 different types of fruits in it. Well, that's basically what an exchange traded fund is. It's a way of, instead of just buying one thing, it's a really easy way for you to walk into the grocery store, you pick up the basket, you pay for it, right? You haven't had to decide what goes into it. You haven't had to package or pick up each individual one. You just pick up your fruit basket and you're on your merry way. Now, imagine that you could do that with not just fruits, but imagine you could also, if you wanted, buy a basket of meats <laughs> or you could buy a basket that had meats and fruit, fruits and cereals in it, right? That's exactly what an exchange traded fund does for you. And instead of just like 20 things in it, usually there's hundreds. And the reason that the reason that these are important is because it gives you a lot of diversification all at once in one easy place. They have their lower costs, they have lower fees than some other uh, other things that you can invest in. And the reason that they're really valuable is because let's say for example, fruits had, you know, a fruit fly infestation and it wiped out all the fruits. So if you buy this basket of, you know, your meats and your fruits and your cereals, if all of the fruits go rotten, you actually still have other things you can eat, right? And that's what diversification gives you. It's like if one thing goes bad or one thing goes wrong, you're you're covered because you're not you don't just have that one thing. Imagine if your entire grocery basket was full of just bananas and you got them home and they were all rotten. <laughs> like that wouldn't be a great place to be. So that's why diversification is important. And that's why these little baskets, these exchange traded funds are really fun because somebody else has put them together for you and they give you a whole bunch of things. They give you diversity of the things that you're buying in one easy place. And they don't charge you as much as some other things can charge you. So the the very first place or the first thing that you want to do when it comes to investing, like literally three very easy steps. You want to decide to start, <laughs> like decide to start is the first one and pick an amount you want to start with. And then you're going to pick a platform, like a place that you want to do this investing. I'm going to walk you through some of this and then you're going to do it, right? Decide you want to start, pick a place to do it and then do it. Like it's really not more complicated than that. Everything else, when you go to Google makes it seem complicated, but it's not. You want to decide an amount you want to begin with. Maybe it's 50 bucks. And then you're going to decide where you want to do the investing. Now, again, we're going to take it back to our grocery store example. And I know it would be, it's sort of hard to visualize some of these things, right? It would be like telling you what the grocery store looked like if you had never been into the grocery store. You know, I could give you the floor plan. I could tell you there are rows, 
but it just like, it wouldn't be very helpful until you got in there. Right. And so I want you to think about it like this. And when I say, just trust me, there's food somewhere. <laughs> I want you to, to know that a lot of this is going to become clear as you start to go through the process. Like as you start to get in there, you sign up for one of these places and, and you start to dabble, right? You got to enter the grocery store to really understand what types of foods are available. Now, when it comes to grocery stores, there are different types of grocery stores, right? You have those grocery stores where it's like totally self-serve, where nobody even begs or boxes your food. You're like, you're on your own, right? Then you have grocery stores where the bagging is all done for you. You don't have to, you don't have to really do much. All of them, you have grocery stores where there's prepared foods made for you, right? You have that little, little fridge where you can go to and you can just like grab a meal, right? Like even more service, prepared meals. And so the different types of grocery stores, like we all know in our area, what the budget grocery store is, what the high-end organic store is with the prepared meals. There are different products, different prices, different services, but like all the grocery stores are going to get you there. They'll have different layouts, different brands, but like you can get food from all of them. So a lot of people get stuck, I think, in this space of like, what's the perfect grocery store to go with? Imagine if you just sat for weeks on end <laughs> worrying about what was the perfect grocery store instead of just going to the grocery store and picking some food. And then once you get there, you might realize there's a whole bunch of things about that grocery store that you don't really like. Maybe you don't like the prices. Maybe one grocery store doesn't have your favorite brands. This I want you to treat in the exact same way. I want you to be able to dip your toe in from this podcast, be able to dip your toe in and, and have a place that you are comfortable starting with. When you pick, so step two, after you've decided to start, you're going to pick a platform. A platform is basically just a website or a person that you're going to go to to buy an investment. I'm going to talk to you about three different options. These are basically across pretty much every country. These are basically the three options that you have. Now, people make it sound more complicated. And, and here's why it often sounds more confusing than it is, is because the finance industry likes to create different names for the same thing all the time. <laughs> and so in the same way, when I started the episode, an investment and an asset, right? It's different ways of saying the same thing. Or if you think about a stock and a share, also the exact same thing. The finance industry likes to confuse you and it makes you think that you, that you don't know what's going on or that you're dumb when it comes to investing. And that's just not true. It's set up to confuse you. So if you're confused, that's why. It's not a problem with you. It's a problem with the industry. <laughs> There's my rant. The three places that you can start out with this stuff, and I'm going to walk you through pros and cons of each, why you might use these, you know, how they differ, different fees, and things to consider. First is there's basically the DIY option. And then second is called a robo-advisor which is a hybrid between the DIY option and somebody doing it for you, like the done for you with advisors. So DIY, do it yourself, a robo-advisor, and then an advisor done for you. The first option, so the DIY, also called discount brokers or online brokers, 
the examples of this in certain countries, Quest Trade or Vanguard or Fidelity or Robinhood, it's basically a somewhere you can go, a platform, a website where you can choose your own investments, right? And it's also called self-directed investing. All those are same names for the exact same thing. Now, the only thing you really need to know about this is that this is where you can buy your own investments and choose your own investments. Now, this requires you to be able to manage your own investments. So it requires you to be comfortable choosing your own things and making changes to them as needed. It requires you to know what things you want to buy so that you know your portfolio is going to be profitable. The the one of the biggest pros about this option is that it has the lowest fees because you're doing it yourself. There's no, you're paying fees to the platform. You're always in any of these options, you're always going to be paying some fee, right? This, this is a service that is provided to you in the same way that when you go to the grocery store, you pay more than if you were to go to a farm and get the products straight, right? So this option has, of the options I'm going to take you through, this option has the lowest fees. And the cons of it, the things the things to be aware of, not necessarily cons, is that you've got to know what you're doing and what you want to buy when you get there. There's going to be a lot going on. So if this is, if you've never done this before and you're the kind of person that feels overwhelmed by the space, I wouldn't necessarily say that starting here is the easiest option because you're going to sign up for, you know, you're going to sign up for an account. You're going to get in there and there's going to be a lot of options. There are going to be a lot of buttons to click. There are going to be a lot of words that are confusing for you. There are going to be lots of things that aren't necessarily a step-by-step do this, do that, do that, right? And so this is really the option for those that are more comfortable with their own investments. The second option, robo-advisors. So an example of this is Betterment or Elvest or in Canada, there's Wealthsimple. A robo-advisor is basically a platform that you go to, a place that you go to, and you give them information. You fill out a, a questionnaire. It, I think one of them, when I set it up, took me 13 minutes. So you fill out a questionnaire. It asks you about your goals and your income and your risk tolerance, and it has that information and it decides on a port- portfolio for you. It decides what investments it wants to make for you based on the information it gives you. And so the pros of this are that it gives you a lot of diversification very quickly, right? You're not buying one thing. It's investing you in a whole bunch of things. It's super easy. It's very quick. It has lower fees than advisors, which are the third option I'm going to take you through. And you can also set it up in most of these that you're contributing regularly on autopilot. So you can set up this account and you're like, you connect it to your bank account and you're like, pull this from my, this amount from my bank account every month or every two weeks, every week. The downfall of robo-advisors are that it's not, you can't really customize it in like, aside from that first set of information that you give it, you can't tell it specific things that you want to buy because it decides automatically based on your survey. So if you imagine, back to our grocery store example, imagine it's like when you go into the store. So if the DIY option is you doing all your own shopping, going into the store and like selecting all the things that you want to buy, 
Imagine this is like somebody at the front of the store asking you whether you're a vegan, a vegetarian, or a meat eater, and they give you a book full of recipes and a cart full of things that you need for those. So the when I talk about like you can't really customize things, you might have everything you need if you're a vegan, right? But if you're also gluten intolerant or maybe you hate onions, you're kind of shit out of luck. So that's something to be aware of when it comes to robo-advisors. Is it like, does a lot of fun things for you in that it's super easy, but if you're really comfortable and confident with investments, you might actually want to go deeper, right? If you're a whiz in the kitchen and you're like a, a Michelin star chef, this probably isn't the, the most ideal for you, right? So, and this is again, back to what I was saying before, the perfect answer for one person might be somebody else's worst nightmare. And this is why it's really important to, to, this is why I want you guys to be able to make decisions for yourself when it comes to everything around money is to be able to understand what you want and what you need, what you desire out of life and be able to make the decisions in a really powerful and confident way that get you there. Now, the third option is financial advisors. So in different countries, they call these people different things. So they're financial advisors. Sometimes they're called brokers. Sometimes they're called just advisors. What I want you to get from this <clears throat> is that this is a person that is choosing investments on your behalf. So, and you're paying for that service. This is the most expensive of all of the options, right? And it makes sense, right? Someone's giving you hands-on assistance, selecting all the investments based on, you know, everything that you're telling them in an assessment and, you know, what they know about your goals. This could be a bank or there are some independent companies like say an Edward Jones that, that do this for you. So many banks have an arm of the bank that gives you financial advisory, right? Why do they do that? Because this piece makes them a shit ton of money. So the reason, and I want to really unpack some of the things that people don't realize and know about financial advisors. And I've covered some of this in other podcasts, but I really want to break it down because I like I never hear anyone talking about this. And it's really important. It's not like something that's just like nice to have or nice to know. It's like it will make or break your entire retirement and like no one is talking about it. It's crazy. Now, you'll always have fees. Like I said before, the goal with any of these options is not to be free of fees, but it's to understand what the fees are that you're paying and the difference between them. So the difference between uh, a percent of your portfolio and a one-off fee, right? A percent of your portfolio takes a percentage of your portfolio into infinity versus a one-off fee that you pay like $10 for, right? Now, imagine a financial advisor, which is, I'm going to, that's what I'm going to call them for, for this example. And in different places are called different things, but somebody that is selecting your investments for you. It's like a personal shopper, Okay, so you could go to the store and you could pick out what you want on your own, or this personal shopper could do it for you. Now, it's not good or bad to use a personal shopper. And I'm actually not suggesting in any of what I teach that financial advisors are bad or anything like that. What I know to be true is that almost everyone has no idea what they're paying when it comes to advisors. <laughs> so most people think it's like Instacart. 
for anyone that's in North America and you've used Instacart, you click a button and, or a couple of buttons, you select what you want. And then somebody goes to the grocery store and shops for you and you pay them what, like five or 10 bucks for every shop. That's what people think the fees are when it comes to financial advisors, but it's not. Because the fees are a percent of your portfolio, think about it as though the personal shopper was eating a portion of every single cart that you ever bought. And also, the more you eat, sorry, the more you buy, the more they eat. That's that's how the percent of your portfolio works. It's like compound interest, but it works against you. So if you've been using them for 10 years, they might've started out eating a couple bites of every cart, but by 10 years, they're actually eating half of your cart before you get it. Like that's literally how the math works. So again, it is not a problem, but people don't realize that that's actually what's happening. And I've, I actually don't think I've ever had a client that has ever known the fees that they're actually paying on their investments. And I've never once come across anyone that has actually done the math on what it adds up to long-term because it's not common knowledge. This is what we go through in Women's Money Mastery, exactly where and how to find fees. But And this is actually something I'm going to break down in the next podcast episode, but it's just really important to know that they'll tell you it's a 1% fee and it's actually hundreds of thousands of dollars or more. So the other thing about financial advisors is that they don't get paid for the performance of your portfolio. So you'd think that in an industry like that, they're going to get paid if you do really well, right? But that's not how it works. Whether you're making or losing money, they're still getting paid that percentage. They're still eating away at your cart. And this is really important. The other thing that you really want to be aware of is that with some of these companies and with some of these organizations is that they are incentivized to sell you things where they actually get paid more on them. So remember back to our, (laughs) back to our grocery store analogy. Hopefully you guys are loving this analogy because (laughs) it's been here the whole time. Now, Imagine those fruit baskets, right? It would be like your personal shopper, them getting paid more to sell you the fruit baskets. And so even though you maybe you're allergic to kiwis, they keep buying you fruit baskets full of kiwis because they get paid more for them. And so they're not, instead of choosing what's healthy or aligned for your dietary requirements, they sometimes in some cases are getting paid more money for certain things. And so that's what they're buying. And that's really important because that's one of the things that, that is one of the things that is very hard to discern when you're choosing an advisor is whether they're, whether they're purchasing things on your behalf that they're making more money on, or whether they're actually buying things that are in highest alignment for you. It's really hard to tell. And the other thing about financial advisors or advisors or someone that's choosing your investments on your behalf is there can be this tendency. And again, this is something that this is something nobody talks about. There can be this tendency to think that because they're a professional, they know what to choose better than you do. 
like they're picking the winners. They're, you know, they know when it's going to be high, when they know when it's going to be low, they're timing the market. Like they're a pro at doing this, right? Well, that's not true. Like the stats show, I think it's like 85% of professional money managers fail to do better than the average, right? So if, and this is really critical. And this is something, I don't know if you guys listen to any any other like news broadcasts or any like investing podcasts or anything like that. I listen to a lot of them. And one thing that is so clear when you listen to any, you know, economist or a professional money manager or professional investor is that nobody actually knows what's happening in the future. A lot of people are giving their best guesses. A lot of people are trying to, you know, trying to predict things, but nobody really knows. And the reality is that if the financial advisor at the bank were so good at being able to pick the winners, they probably wouldn't be working for the bank for 80 grand a year, right? 80 grand, whatever, whatever it is that they make every year, they would be investing their own money and they would be multimillionaires, right? If they were really, really that good at being able to pick the winners over and above with the fees that they're charging you, they would just be investing their own money. They would not be working for the bank. The reason that the bank makes so much money in doing this is not because they're great at predicting the future or picking the winners. It's because whether or not those investments go up or down, they're taking a percentage of your portfolio. <laughs> like that's just straight up how it works. So the way that you kind of navigate this, and I again, I'm not saying you never use these people. I think they can be valuable, especially if the only place, if the only way you're willing to get started is by, you know, seeking out one of these professionals, then that can be a great place to start. What you really want to do is ask them how they're compensated. Ask them how they're compensated. Ask them all of the fees that they're being charged or that they're charging you. There will be a there will be lots of fees in different places. So you want to figure out all of them and just ask one of the things. And I actually, I think I created a, a story on this the other day or a reel, maybe the art of asking dumb questions, ask questions, ask question after question, after question, after question, until you understand that is my best suggestion when it comes to any of this. Don't be afraid to get on the phone with someone. Don't be afraid to ask questions, even though you think you might feel dumb because even me, I've been, I, you know, I've been in this industry for many years. This is what I teach my students. And there are lots of times when I get to websites that I've never seen before, or I'll hit a page, like I'll hit a page that sounds so confusing that I have to ask 20 questions to get, to understand it. It's so much more beneficial for you to understand the answer than to not ask the question. Cause you're afraid to look dumb. And it's amazing how often you ask questions that even they can't explain to you <laughs> because when you start asking questions of people, you realize how many people really have no fucking clue what the answer is. Like the, the person that you're asking included. So I, I want to give you permission to do that because it's really, really important. So figure out all the ways that these people are compensated. So that's what I'll say. Those are the three steps that I want to leave you with. Pick an amount, decide that you want to get started. Number one, pick an amount that you want to start with. Pick a platform, one of those three that I outlined. And number three, set up an account and put some money in. Start playing around. And that's how you're going to become more confident and comfortable. And 
And this is such a powerful thing for you to do for yourself. It's not just powerful, but it's actually really, really fun. And the reason that we avoid things is because we think that it's a chore or it's confusing. When you actually know what you're doing and when you're clear and it feels exciting to actually look at, this is what we do inside of Women's Money Mastery. You get step by freaking step on all of this. It's like, do this, then do this, then do this. You get a full explanation of all of your investment options. You get guidance on exactly how to make the best decisions for you. You get the exact recipe for what to buy at every level, like 10 grand at 20 grand at 50 grand. When your portfolio is hundred grand plus, you get the recipe. You, I show you how to uncover all the hidden fees, which literally saves you hundreds of thousands of dollars, like, and all of your questions answered at any given time, every single point along the way. Like the program that I run is a no brainer just for that alone. If you're not in it, you've got to get amongst us. It's incredible. Book a call with me. You can find the link in the show notes if that's something you desire. But whether Women's Money Mastery is your next step or not, I want investing to be normal for women. I want this process to be fun. I want money and investments to be a table topic for women everywhere. Money, investments, growing your money. Let me tell you, when you when you actually get into this and you are clear on what you need to do, you will sit down with your investments and it will feel so exciting. It will be something you look forward to every week. That's literally the experience of it. Here's why. Because you sit down with it. And first of all, your money is growing, which feels really good. It's exciting. It's like a game, right? It's like a game that you're winning instead of a game that you can't figure out the rules to. And you know what, what decisions you need to make to win even more. And that's really fun. You feel powerful. You feel confident. You feel energized. And when you can share these conversations, when you can share this work and this growth and these conversations with the women around you, it's as fun as, you know, sharing your favorite recipes back to our grocery store analogy, right? It's as fun as sharing your, you know, latest app that you've downloaded. Like this conversation gets to be really exciting. And, and that's what we get to normalize for all women. Wealth, money, investments, they're not taboo. They're critical to you creating your dream life. They're a space that you can easily master. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again, but you being wealthy is good for the world. I'll leave it there for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you all. If you've been digging the pod and you want to take this work deeper, I've got a freebie you're going to love. A hundred money blocks and how to ditch them. I went through all my coaching calls and client worksheets and found the most common money blocks people experience. I broke down how they all fall into six core patterns and how they're appearing in your life right now. And then the four simple steps to unblock them. If that sounds fun for you, just jump into the show notes. You'll find a wee little link there and you can scoop it for yourself right now.